Today on Blue 58, this time next week, there's a good chance we're going to be talking about some Packers free agent signings. Well, maybe not a bunch, but perhaps at least one. What's got to happen between then and now for that to be a reality? Then, when is the right time to draft a quarterback? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here on another episode of Blue 58. Got a lot of things to cover today. I figured we would break things up with the draft preview stuff a little bit, kind of pause that for just at least one episode to talk a little bit more philosophically about what we're looking for in the draft. Before we get there, I want to talk about Brian Gutekunst, specifically what his next week is going to be looking like, what days you should be aware of between now and the start of the league year on March 18th. But first, we need to announce a winner. We have completed our poll for the book we'll be reading for the Blue 58 Book Club. The winner, collecting 81.8% of the vote, is Take Your Eye Off the Ball by Pat Kerwin. We will be discussing more about that here in the near future, but if you want to go ahead and order that for yourself, you can find that at Amazon.com. I will link to that in the show notes here as well. Uh, we'll probably start our discussion of that sometime in the next two to three weeks. So if that's something you're interested in doing, I'll be ordering a copy here very soon. You should probably do the same. The edition that I'll be using is linked in the show notes below. All right. What's coming next for Brian Gutekunst? Free agency is almost upon us. In fact, as of this recording, it is really less than a week away. It's now Tuesday March 10th, free agency for all intents and purposes is going to begin on Monday, March 16th, because that is the start of the legal tampering period, quote unquote. This is the effective start of free agency. Teams can agree to deals at this point. Though the league year does not officially start until March 18th, deals will be in place well before then. March 18th in the afternoon, the league year officially begins. This is when contracts can become official, but things will be all but official before then. Though guys can still back out. That happened with the New York Jets and Anthony Barr last year. Uh, He ended up going back to the Vikings after agreeing verbally to a deal with the New York Jets. But those deals can be finalized during that period. And chances are this time next week, we'll be talking about at least one deal. We'll also probably be talking about the Packers officially making some moves or potentially moving on from some players. We've got a pretty good grasp on who that is, uh, so we won't dive into that super in-depth here. I am starting to think more and more that the Packers are are probably out of the Brian Bulaga sweepstakes. That's just the the sense that I get from from reading other people's opinions about that, hearing what the beat writers are saying about this. Um, at the very least, it seems like the Packers are going to let Brian Gutekunst, or not Brian Gutekunst, they're going to let Brian Bulaga go out and test the waters in free agency. Then Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball can decide whether or not they want to match any numbers that, that he is hearing out there. Or maybe they've just decided to move on. From a trying to get the best value deal for the team approach, that is probably the correct way to go about things for the Packers. From a Taking care of a guy who's been part of the team uh, since 2010, that, that is kind of a, a crummy way that things could end that way, but that's that's kind of how things go. Uh, from a roster-building perspective, I am still not convinced moving on from Brian Bulaga is a good idea. I think I would rather him than anybody else they could put at that position here in, in the relatively near future. But 
Um, the Packers are, are not big third contract folks. And uh, moving on at this point would be pretty well in line with, with what they've done before. In any case, I wouldn't be surprised if there are already some free agent contracts basically done between some teams and some players already. And to that end, I would like to offer this. It is okay to get excited about free agency. Free agency is fun. All of this is fun, right? We're doing all this because it's a good time. I do this podcast because I get a kick out of it. You listen to it because you presumably enjoy it as well. You follow the Packers in general because you think it's a fun thing to do. Whatever reason you started following the team, you keep doing it because you enjoy it. Free agency is part of that. So get excited about free agency. Don't expect the world. And a little bit of a word of warning too. Three years ago on this day, March 10th, you're listening to this no earlier than March 11th, but three years ago on March 10th, 2017, my colleague Gary Zillavi and I sat down to record the only before or since special breaking news episode of Blue 58. Why was that? Well, just listen to a chunk of it. This is Blue 58 episode number 21. Just listen. Well, let's talk a little bit about Martellus Bennett. Um, He's a guy the Packers are pretty familiar with. He's been with the Chicago Bears uh, for a few years, and and the Packers played him as a, a member of the Dallas Cowboys as well. He's a big target, six foot seven, two hundred forty eight pounds, and has been generally pretty success, successful wherever he's gone. Uh, he's the, the pretty much the the stereotypical big tight end. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger at bigger than six foot seven. He runs pretty well. Uh, mid four sixes in the 40, uh, has a 34-inch vertical leap, or at least he did at the combine. He can get up and get passes. The point I I come back to thinking about Cook, and, and Gary, you can tell me your thoughts on this, but uh, on Bennett, rather, not on Cook. Jared Cook gets a lot of credit for how he played last year, and he should. He had a, He had a good year. But his stats, the numbers he put up, were really not all that different from what he's done throughout his entire career. It's not like he had this career renaissance when he came to the Packers. But that was what the Packers needed. Now, Martellus Bennett has put up better numbers than Cook throughout his career. And if he can just be the sort of player that he has been in his career to date, I think he's going to be awesome for the Packers. How do you feel about the signing? I feel really good about it at first blush. I think that the trend in New England is that their top flight talent leaves town and really never performs at as high of a level as they did with the Patriots. I think of uh, Dion Branch, the wide receiver, when he left. Randy Moss, when he left town. Uh, even Chandler Jones, Logan Mankins. It seems like New England has a way of letting their guys go at the right time and and much like the Packers I think the Packers very rarely keep a guy a year or two longer than they uh than they needed to about Bennett I believe he's going to be a really solid target for the Packers specifically in the red zone in terms of takes that have not aged particularly well being excited about Martellus Bennett ranks right up near the top 
enthusiasm over Martellus Bennett being a part of the Green Bay Packers has aged like fine milk. Boy, that was a time, though. It was exciting at the time. And I think it's okay to be excited at the time, even if things do go belly up. And I wouldn't ask you not to be excited about free agency, but just remember that things can go belly up. And with a lot of free agency signings, there's probably a good chance that they will. Let's move on to something new. I'd like to talk for a second about draft philosophy. For final two segments here, both of them are going to be kind of philosophical-related musings about the draft. My thoughts about the draft in general have changed a little bit over the years. I was a diehard best player available person for a long, long time. But the more and more that I've, I've looked into the draft, the more and more I don't think that's really a thing. It sounds great that teams are taking the best guy on their board that teams are, are just looking for the, the, the best value that they can get out there, and that's what they're really trying to do to maximize what they're, they're getting out of their picks. But I just don't think that's really something that happens all that often. I don't think teams are overlooking needs that they have on their roster in favor of picking guys that they think are just that much better. I just don't think that's something that happens all that often. I won't say that it doesn't happen, but I don't think it's the all-encompassing draft philosophy that people seem to think it is, that it's characterized as. So what are teams really trying to accomplish in the draft? What should they be trying to accomplish? I think there are three areas you can dump just about every draft pick into. And it starts with need. Teams do draft for need. In fact, I would argue that most picks are, to some extent, need picks. Probably like two-thirds to 75% of picks. Because I think need is more common than most people realize and most teams will be willing to admit. You need a lot of players to make an NFL team go. You need 22 starters all total, you need a kicker, a punter, a long snapper. You need a lot of high-priority special teams players just to fill out those units. You need a lot of things. And so, yeah, it may not be as simple as just, hey, we need a starting linebacker, let's draft a starting linebacker. There is an extent to which you do need most of the guys that you draft. So first, teams do draft for need. That is something that happened. And chances are the Packers are going to make a couple need-based picks here early in the 2020 NFL draft. The second category is something I would describe as a priority backfill. This is where you pick a guy where you don't necessarily have a hole at a roster group spot, but you need to add crucial depth. This is when you're anticipating guys are going to be leaving and you just need to fill out your depth chart a little bit. Say the Packers keep Brian Bulaga around. Money notwithstanding, all of those issues aside, let's just say they keep him. How long is Brian Bulaga going to be the Packers' starting right tackle? Plus or minus like 85% of one year, right? 
how many years does he legitimately have left as a starting caliber right tackle? Maybe I take the over on that. Maybe I think I can get a year and a half, two years out of Brian Bulaga. Still, at some point in the course of that time, you're going to need more help on the offensive line. The time to do that is not the, the time to get that help is not when Brian Bulaga is walking out the door. If you can, you should fill that important position ahead of time. Backfill your roster and prioritize the positions that are the most valuable. Finally, I think the last category is just a general backfill. These are for positions where you need a lot of bodies, body positions. Positions where you just need a lot of people or positions where you tend to wear people out. So that's offensive line. That's defensive line. That's the defensive backfield. Even wide receivers, even running backs, I think you could throw in there. All of those position groups need a lot of players. You need five starting offensive linemen and probably two or three behind them at the very least. Defensive line, you need five or six guys. Defensive backs, you need six, seven, eight, maybe nine players. Wide receivers, at least four or five. Unless you're the Minnesota Vikings last year and they walk around with like three wide receivers and one of them is in a walking boot for like two-thirds of the year. Weird year for the Vikings. You just have to fill out a lot of a lot of roster spots. These are positions where you don't necessarily have a need. You're not anticipating a big star leaving or whatever. You just need to fill out more bodies. So how does this apply to the Packers? What are we what do we do looking with at this philosophy as to as to how it could apply to the Packers in in 2020? As far as need picks, I think they have a need at inside linebacker, at wide receiver, and potentially offensive tackle. The need at inside linebacker is pretty clear. Even if they would re-sign B.J. Goodson, they need another one there. They could go into next season without doing anything in the draft there. They don't necessarily technically have a hole, but they need help there. The same is true at wide receiver. They could go into next season just with the guys they've got. Now, they could use some help. Offensive tackle, we understand the potential hole there. Priority backfill spots, again, potentially offensive tackle, depending what goes on with Brian Bulaga. Maybe if, even if he he stays, you, you probably have to fill out stuff there. Running back is a lot the same. Even if the Packers do follow through with this uh, reported extension for Aaron Jones, they're probably going to then have to replace Jamal Williams. And Tyler Irvin, exciting though he may have been, is probably not a long-term answer there either. Even if he is, next year you probably only have two, Jones and Irvin. You could use some help there too. Defensive line, much the same. You need some big bodies next to Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. Even if Kingsley Kiki turns out into something, even if Tyler Lancaster takes a step forward, you still got a big question mark in Montrevious Adams. Is he even going to make the team? You could add another body there. It wouldn't hurt. Finally, just backfilling on the offensive line, defensive line, and defensive backfield, never a bad idea, and the Packers could stand to do that even, even among the defensive backfield where they have a lot of draft picks invested already. There are big question marks there with Kevin King and Josh Jackson, both this year and in the future. 
That's my rough draft philosophy. Need, priority, backfill, and backfill. Each of the Packers' 10 picks in this upcoming draft will be in one of those categories. And I think we should come back after the draft and see what the Packers actually ended up doing in terms of sorting their picks into these categories. Because I think it'll be pretty clear. I think we'll be able to see pretty clearly what the Packers thought of their needs and where they needed to fill their roster based on the things that they do. Finally, I would like to talk about quarterbacks. Drafting a replacement for Aaron Rodgers has become an increasingly popular topic of off-season conversation, and it's understandable why he's getting, or actually is past now the age, that Brett Favre was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers himself. So people are reading the tea leaves and thinking, maybe now is the time for the Packers to draft a quarterback. So that led me to ask the question of myself, when should you do that? It's not so much to me a question of where you should draft a quarterback, and I'll explain why in a second, as much as when. Because when has a lot more important implications than where. First, let's talk about why where you draft a quarterback is not a good question to ask. If you're looking for a replacement quarterback, if you're looking for a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, there's only one place to draft him, and it's early. Preferably as early as possible. We talked about this when we did our position recap podcast about quarterbacks. Chances are, chances are really good if you're looking for a guy who can be a competent NFL caliber passer, you basically have to get him on day one and maybe day two. And if it comes on day two, it's got to be early. The vast majority of passers having success in the NFL, the vast majority, are day one picks and early day two picks. So the idea of taking a guy late and hoping that he becomes something, while nice, is probably overly optimistic. But John, you say, Ron Wolf made a practice of doing that every year. That's true. And look how most of that quarter, those quarterbacks panned out in the NFL. Yep, there was Mark Brunel. Yep, there was Aaron Brooks. Yep, there was Matt Hasselbeck. There's also a handful of guys who never played a single snap in the NFL. And most of the guys who ended up having success in the NFL were taken earlier than like the sixth round. So, if you're looking to replace your quarterback and you understand that you have to take him early if you want a real shot at having a good guy, how do you decide when the right time to do that is? Let's try to answer that question by looking at what I think are some bad reasons to draft a quarterback. First, the idea that you want to develop him. This is the Aaron Rodgers approach, maybe more recent reference, the Patrick Mahomes approach. And you can see why people think this. It's tough to play quarterback in the NFL. And a lot of the guys who are getting drafted are not doing particularly well. So what do you do? You draft a guy, you sit him down for a couple years, and then you let him get a feel for the NFL. And then you've got a ready-made guy for when your current guy is ready to move on. Problems with this are that he may not develop. So you may use a first-round pick. Second round pick on a quarterback, and he may turn out to just be a bum. Now you're three years further down the road, and you still don't have a quarterback. 
Secondly, there's always the problem that your guy just may not move on. Ask Brett Favre how that turned out. Third, it uses up the real benefit of having a quarterback on a rookie contract. Now, I'm real skeptical as to whether or not this is a super big benefit for teams in general, but um, it, it sure is nice to have a quarterback on an affordable contract. If you've got a guy on a contract that is very affordable and he plays the game's most important position, sitting him down for two or three years and burning that contract seems like a less than optimal use of your resources. So I'm not convinced that developing a quarterback is a good use of either your draft resources or your salary cap. Secondly, the idea that you're going to take a flyer on a guy and hope that he turns into something. We know that late picks rarely pan out. Our research backs that up. I think just generally watching the NFL, that it's going to be backed up with your eyes. Not a lot of these guys are turning out to be to be great. So basically, you've got to take a guy early, first or second round, if you want something serious at that position. So when is the right time to do that? Three situations, and then a fourth that may fit the bill for the Packers better than anybody else. First, draft a quarterback when you don't have a quarterback. It's kind of a truism in the NFL now that if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. But it is true. It's not just a cliche. Your team, whether you're a good team, a bad team, a running team, a passing team, a defense-oriented team, an offense-oriented team... If you don't have a quarterback, chances are you're going to fall short in the playoffs. So if you don't have a quarterback, go out and get one. Spend whatever you've got to do it. Arizona Cardinals are kind of an interesting test case for that because they had a quarterback, or they thought they did, in Josh Rosen. He turned out not to be the guy that they wanted. They had the opportunity to take another one, and they went ahead and did that right away. Give them a lot of credit for doing that because that's a tough thing to sell. Hey, we're going to spend another draft pick on a quarterback right away. And it happens to be the first overall pick in the draft. But if they're happy with Kyler Murray and early returns would suggest that they probably should be, suddenly that's a pretty good use of resources. You didn't lock yourself into a mistake just because you invested a lot of resources into that mistake. So... When you don't have a quarterback you like, draft one. Try to find one that you do. Secondly, you should draft a quarterback when you think the guy you're drafting can beat out the guy you currently have. If you think you can upgrade there, go ahead and do it. That doesn't really apply to the Packers, though, because I don't think there's anybody in the draft that they think could beat out Aaron Rodgers right now. And given what they're paying Aaron Rodgers, I think they would have a hard time drafting a guy and hoping that he does, because that, again, is not probably a really good use of their resources uh, in the draft or or via the salary cap if you're sitting a guy down assuming that he would get beat out that make that is making the kind of money that Aaron Rodgers is. Finally, and I think this is the most compelling one, if you're looking to transition from a guy who has been your starter for a while to a new guy, I think you should draft a quarterback when you legitimately don't know who your QB could be the year after the current season. So I think going into a season, most of the time, probably by about the end of March, early April. Teams are pretty set with their quarterback plan. Either they're going to try to draft a guy in the upcoming draft, or they've already got a guy that they like. Teams tend to prioritize quarterbacks. 
So they probably get it figured out pretty early. But thinking two years down the road, if you legitimately don't know who your guy is going to be, not this fall, but next fall, you should probably draft a quarterback and just see what happens. I don't think any of those situations fit the bill for the Packers. They have a starting quarterback that they like. I think the chances that any rookie is going to beat out Aaron Rodgers are pretty low. And I think, unless something drastic happens, there's every reason to think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be their starting quarterback in 2021. So let's introduce a fourth situation where I think you should probably take a quarterback. And I will say this, acknowledging that I just made the case earlier in this very podcast that taking the best player available is something that I don't think happens all that often in the NFL. But I think you should take a quarterback if there's a highly rated player who falls significantly. That, again, is the Aaron Rodgers situation. In the 2020 draft, I don't know who it could be. And if you were waiting for us to talk about quarterback prospects in this particular podcast, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I wanted to go more philosophical on this one. We'll talk at some point more about quarterback prospects. But if someone were to slide down the board to the Packers, if it was somebody who was projected to, say, go in the top five to seven, maybe ten picks, I think you could make a case that would sway me toward having them take a quarterback. Again, I don't know who that would be. I don't think there's anybody who's necessarily enough of a slam dunk that you'd feel super comfortable doing it. But if there was a guy who was generally thought to be probably a top five to seven pick, and he ended up at 30, I think the Packers really would have to think long and hard about that. Ultimately, I still think they would pass for the other reasons that we talked about. But generally speaking, I think if you end up in that situation, you should take that quarterback. Ted Thompson did it, set the Packers up for a long time. It may not have worked out. But I think there's a lot of fork-in-the-road type situations for NFL GMs where it's going to go one way or another. That was a situation where that that really could have gone one way or another for, for Ted Thompson. If Aaron Rodgers didn't pan out, he would have been on the sidelines a lot sooner than he ended up being. But it worked out. He took a quarterback in a situation when he didn't necessarily have to in perhaps the only situation where it was justifiable. Someone fell to him, and maybe if somebody falls to the Packers, that is a situation where they'll have to take someone this year. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. If you think somebody would get something out of this episode, I do really appreciate it. If you would share this with them and let them listen to it as well. I've gone ahead and linked episode 21 of Blue 58, the one where we talk about Martellus Bennett and a few other Packers free agency related things in the show notes of this episode. So if you want to take a a spin down memory lane with us, go ahead and do that as well. Uh, That is a lot of fun too. Um, If you just want to support us, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the power sweep. That's a great way to support the show and it gets you access to a little bit more extra content there too. We've got some stuff coming uh, for our Patreon supporters in the next week or so, uh, depending how things shake out with the coronavirus in my personal life. And that sounds a lot more ominous than it is. It's not, uh, there's no danger of me having coronavirus or anyone I know, but 
um, it is complicating my work situation. So we'll see how that shakes out and how that affects um, content coming your way. But again, if you like this episode, if you like any of our episodes, go ahead and share them with somebody that you think would benefit from hearing them because that helps us bring more people to this conversation, gets that conversation going, and helps us continue our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.